This is Principal Hackbush, and this is episode two of the Principal Hackcast. All right, so this is uh, episode two, and today's topic will be me again, and I'm going to be talking about combating COVID fatigue. COVID fatigue is a is a term we've been hearing a lot about lately, and basically, as a principal, I would say. We're going into week 10 of the school year. Second quarter has begun and we are amidst a flu season and we're seeing some spikes going on in our state, in our county and around the uh, United States. So with that, there's also some reopening and loosening of restrictions that we're seeing in various pockets, whether it's in our community Uh, whether it's on our campus. So in terms of our campus, we've got some athletics that have begun in terms of uh, preseason workouts. These are happening on designated days on a calendar with spacing, with masks, and uh, it's very organized in that way. Then you have activities. So you have some club activities and different organizations that are able to within uh, the parameters of the policies given to us by the district to start participating on campus. So we haven't seen on campus activities for many months. So you have that loosening. We've got some capacity uh, increases in certain uh, rooms in our in our building. So for instance, the library has a uh, increased capacity. So you might see classes now rotating into the library and utilizing that space Uh, besides the uh, ordering and picking up that we've been doing on books. So, you know, we have loosening of some of the restrictions while we have perhaps some increased COVID cases uh, and flu in our area. Um, It is where we are leading into November here very soon and it's par for the course. So, you know, normally you see a lot of sickness and flu in the fall as, as temperatures drop and, and, you know, the uh, environment changes and, and all of that. So that's happening. Um, to, to rewind a little bit, when we started the school year where, you know, we, we knew we were going to start with some in-person on our campus, we went full board and pretty much emptied out our, our current budget at that time and we got plexiglass for our offices, our counselors, our classrooms. We got face shields, we got uh, extra masks, we had sanitizer, PP&E. We went around and counted desks and arrangements, make sure we had the proper spacing in our classrooms, and then we had to cross-reference that with our enrollment counts and who's going full distance and who's doing hybrid. We had cleaning procedures, teachers are cleaning. We got them cleaning wands. And we have a whole system where our, our CLS students in special ed, they actually collect and wash uh, some of the, uh, the, the rags that we put onto the cleaning wands. And these are wands that teachers can use and they have uh, you know, a, a good leverage and they're able to clean uh, desks after classes and at designated times through the day. 
We've had fogging machines, which have been kind of a second layer of cleaning, which we've hit high uh, frequency areas in the halls, the staircases, doorknobs, uh, all those areas. Plus we use them in specific classes, like for instance, PE, weights, yoga. So the fogging machines have been uh, very nice and we had boosters donate those machines and that's been a, a game changer for us and just another layer of cleaning. So you have all these these factors and really what it comes down to as we move forward is if we're gonna stay open as a school, then it comes down to the self-screening, number one. So if you are feeling ill or have symptoms, you stay home. Uh, sometimes that requires you getting tested and excluding yourself. That could be a faculty member or a student. Uh, the other piece of this is the hand washing. Um, you know, I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, I wasn't a big hand washer. I'm like, I work in a school, you know, maybe I'll hit some sanitizer here and there and I'll wash my hands before I eat and that's it. But you know, getting people to wash their hands frequently, use sanitizer frequently and not touch their face. Uh, that's been the other the other thing. Then we also, like I said, we have sanitizer. So you see many teachers, they'll be out in front of their uh, doors at the start of each class and they'll hit the students with some sanitizer as they walk in and maybe even on the way out, uh, just enhancing that uh, safety. Then the other piece of this is the six foot spacing. So the masks, the six foot spacing, the hand washing and the self screening. We cannot be complacent in those areas. And so that's a big part of why I want to talk about COVID fatigue, because we're kind of tired of it. We've been cooped up. Then we had some easing in of getting back to school. We have get, been getting by pretty well, but then, you know, we're not immune to COVID. So, you know, every school has had a few cases and uh, you cannot relax, I guess, is what what the moral of my story here today is. It's not the scarcity one, but it's to be uber focused on what we need to do to stay open and have some of these activities actually continue on at our school. You know, we want to have sports start in January. We want to have activities and theater and music eventually, hopefully, and, and all these things to occur. But it's not going to happen if we are not focused on not letting COVID fatigue creep in and be complacent. We have to be super, super focused. We cannot have students out in the back parking lot at lunch or whenever huddled together with no masks, you know, and, you know, you, as a principal, you're, you're going to, you know, we make sweeps out in these different areas. We try to have a presence, but ultimately it's the student body that really needs to comply on this because it's, it's so important, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of kids that are, involved in so many activities and sports and they want to participate and they may not you know understand the importance of wearing the mask even outside but really really got to keep track of your spacing as well and so if we go back i mean literally yesterday the cdc came out with new uh, guidance on infections and so if you're dealing with, and I'm just giving the perspective of a school principal here, if they do contact tracing of a possible infection, 
they're gonna one of the first questions they're gonna have is the spacing and so you know it's critical in the classrooms or in the building especially but even outside is are we maintaining that six foot spacing and originally you know it was an arbitrary mark but it was basically 15 minutes straight uh being within an infectious person within the six feet so this is where it kind of gets convoluted and and uh, complicated but now the cdc is saying it's it's a total of 15 minutes so it could be you know two minutes here and three minutes here and five minutes there around a person on a given uh day so you know that's where masks come in you got to wear the mask try to maintain spacing and just be aware of the the amount of time if you are within a six foot space of someone is your mask on and are you not standing or sitting close to this person for more than 15 total minutes so yeah it's a lot to think about but again um one of my big mantras ever since I was president or president <laughs> principal <laughs> is the focus on complacency is really our enemy in pretty much everything, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, having an over 90% grad rate for so many years and, and seeing great progress in our school, but not get complacent with that. We're always trying to get better. We're always trying to find new ways to do things. Same thing this year, you know, we're in the hybrid model. Every two weeks we're meeting as a staff, we're trying to come up with better ideas to become and provide a better hybrid uh, product to our students. And the same thing goes for the full distance students on Edgenuity, like what can we do? Every two weeks we're like looking at a big line of questions and concerns that we're trying to work through and get better. So it's that continual cycle of improvement. And we got to do that as a school community and as a community in our county here on COVID. And, uh, you know, again, it's <laughs> we're probably heading into the uh, the most contentious uh, election that I'm aware of in, in history. And it's not really anything one side or the other in terms of politics. You know, basically, it's what are we going to do to keep people safe? And so. For us as a school community, it's it's just, you know, if you put yourself at risk or you were in contact or you have symptoms, you're self-screening. And then in between those times, you are doing what you can to be as safe as you can. And that's for the safety and security of you, of your classmates, of your school community, of your teachers, of family members of our school community. And, you know, we would hate anybody to uh, become super ill, you know. And again, I think if we do these things, if we don't let COVID fatigue creep in and we stay focused and we even do better tomorrow as we did today, then we will we will see improvement and we will see a flattening of the curve and we will see maybe spectators at sporting events if we can have them you know uh those are all things i'm very hopeful of of doing but it's gotta have the district's gotta have confidence in the numbers and the practices that's going on in each school community so that's important now going back to the contact tracing and uh this is kind of uh behind the scenes a little bit but just so people know you know if a school 
gets information on a possible infection or contact, then there's a whole layer of protocols that occur. And it, it's among the health district. The health district uh, takes the lead and they may do an investigation or they may give uh, guidance on who's excluded and for however many days. So it could be that we had someone over fall break and they made it, they were in contact with someone with COVID and they're out uh, on exclusion because it was a one-to-one -one contact. That's 14 days. Uh, students are learning from home. So there's a great amount of communication that takes place among the teachers, the attendance staff, and the family and student. This could also be if it's a staff member. Staff member might have been in contact with someone with COVID or have symptoms. They exclude themselves and, uh, and for whatever amount of time that is in guidance there. If it's a staff member, the health district's in communication with HR and then the staff member and HR is in communication with me and my secretary and we work through that and support the teacher as much as possible. So that occurs. Now, if there was a contact at the school, which has occurred in some schools, then you could see uh, individuals who may have been in contact be excluded so that an investigation could take place. So that's where the contact tracer has to do their work. So that's where ConnectEd, those all calls and those uh, emails go out from me, they're kind of generic, but they're they're standard protocols. And it's hey, we're gonna we're gonna remove you from the situation. We're gonna keep everybody safe, and we're gonna investigate it. And then if everything checks out, then we're gonna have you back to school either the next day or within a time frame. And then if for any reason there is someone that needs to be excluded for longer than a day. Uh, or the course of however long the investigation takes, then they're communicated that they're on exclusion. And then we make sure attendance is taken care of and we make sure the people that are cleared are back and we make sure the people that need to be excluded are excluded. And it's pretty complicated because you have to go back and look at attendance, proximity of students for how long. And those are all questions that the contact tracer uh, investigates. He also, oftentimes needs to, or her need to communicate with the uh, teacher themselves if it's in a classroom setting. So that occurs as well. And so basically, if you're a principal, I'm sitting waiting for conclusions of, of information from the health district, then they communicate to the school and the uh, health services at the school district. And then we work together at that point to figure out who's communicating who to whom and what to put in for the attendance for how long people may be excluded and get people word on if they're able to not be excluded anymore. And you work through that backwards almost into a contact tracing system. So, so, you know, we'll see how it all works out if we have, um, you know, uh, more of these in our district. But again, you have to be very methodical. You have to be, uh, you have to have great communication. That's why the self-screening is so important, you know, and, uh, and we work from there. So, you know, I think, I think everybody gets it. I think they understand how complex it can be. And there's so many layers and, you know, um, you know, I'm, I have to wait cause I have to get okay on what scripts 
in communication I give out to to which group and you know uh, my instinct is to hey I'm gonna pick up the phone and call person you know people in person but you know there's got to be specific language because you don't want to um, have undue concern if it doesn't apply to anybody but you also a big part of it is if you're not in a group that's excluded you, the whole school would need to know if there was a COVID case of infection in the school, even if you weren't in contact. So I think there were, you know, there can be some questions about, you know, if you got a call home, if you're a parent and it said, you know, so-and-so uh, was not exposed and is okay to be at school, you know, at first they're like, well, what's going on, you know, and uh, was my kid, you know, uh, around any problems or anything like that? And so you just kind of have to listen to those messages and make sure that, you know, hey, if, if there was a concern, you would have been notified first thing, you know. And so that's really what uh, is important for people to, to understand. Now, as, as we get activities and athletics back, you know, we have the situation of uh students who are at home days and who are full distance both scenarios if there is a day where they're able to do athletics or clubs on campus for instance on the calendar but if they're in an exclusion situation they're not coming back to campus in those situations so even a full distance student you know if a full distance student has symptoms or they've been on an exclusion from the health department that should be communicated to the school district and um, exclusion would would follow. So uh, I think that's a, another layer to it because we don't really have day-to-day communication or uh, we don't see our full distance students. So again, communication is coming from the individual teachers monitoring the students on, on the full distance. But uh, if there are concerns, you know, or if we have a, a student who is ill and they're full distance, it's, it's important that the school know that as well because there are the extracurriculars that do uh, would impact that. So that's that's also a big part of this. So, um, you know, and, and just understanding that the biggest thing, I think, is just being focused on the, uh, you know, the self-screening. And uh, that's what we're that's what we're going to need to do, um, because, you know, Again, flu season, there's going to be times where you don't feel good. You know, your throat might hurt or you're, you're, you just don't feel right. And it's just, it's just better to stay home, you know. And we've had many, many instances in our history with school that kids come to school sick because they don't want to miss school and miss work and things like that. But we do have Microsoft Teams. We do have systems where students can get lessons virtually. And so we do have backup now. So, uh, and I will say overall, it's been very, very smooth and great communication from our families and our staff. I mean, it's been rock stars and and that's why we've been as successful as we have been so far. But again, we're not immune to it. We cannot get relaxed. We cannot, um, you know, think that we're over the hump because we're not. And it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And so if we're going to weather this storm this fall into winter and allow ourselves to have the freedoms that we want moving forward with activities and athletics, then we will need to avoid and combat the COVID fatigue.
<laughs> so uh, that's 20 minutes and that's our hack cast for today. And uh, I hope you uh, get some information on this that might help you uh, moving forward. Uh, be aware of the CDC's new guidelines. And then, you know, just in your own life, you know, if you're involved in like, you know, uh, activities or things outside of school that you're, you're uh, being safe as well, safe and secure. So we just want everybody to be safe, healthy, and be able to get to normal, normalcy soon. And uh, I know it's been difficult. We're going to keep trudging ahead, but keep your focus, keep your focus on COVID and don't be fatigued by it. We got to hone in. It's week 10 coming up and we can do this together and we can stay open and we can be healthy and we can flatten the curve in our community. So uh, thanks again for listening. This is Principal Hackcast and we'll see you next time.